0: Hi everyone, it's Jack. Uh, before we get into the episode, I just want to take a moment to thank some of our patrons who are supporting us and everything we do here at Brain Rock Presents. Thank you to Juno, Olive Aodwolf, Crow, Sean Locke, Jana Loney, Dylan Beauchamp, Prozac Haven, Jupiter McIntyre, Connor Fox, Emery Silvers, Saffron, and Adrian Frisbee. Your contributions mean a lot to us. Thank you. Uh, and now on with the episode.
1: Dear diary, I'm laying on my bed. I'm staring at the ceiling. The ceiling is gray. Big surprise. As far as symptoms go, not much has changed. I'm a little tired, but that could be because my roommate doesn't know what lights out means. And they definitely don't know what Hugo, oh my God, it's four in the morning means. It was, you know what? It wasn't fun the first few weeks. It wasn't ever fun. Hux, if you're listening to this, I would love some sleeping pills and whatever vitamin cocktail you have me on. Anyway, Hugo has their finest jumpsuit on because they're getting ready for... What are you getting ready for?
2: If you must know, I've been called in for an experiment. And I like to look my best. I didn't know you worked with Huxley. I don't. He's not the only person running experiments on this ship. And thank God for that. No. I'm a subject for Millie. Who now? Millie. Y- you know her. She would check in with you a lot after Dent's unfortunate accident. Well, was it that unfortunate? I mean, that Huxley fellow is quite a looker. Don't you agree? Even if he's graying a little, that's probably because he's wound so tight. Still, I wonder how he's managed to stay single for so long. I don't follow. She's an older lady. But her hair is still mostly red, a real lovely shade. Not quite orange, but definitely not brown. Almost pink. I would think she dyed it, but she doesn't seem the type of lady who would fuss over her hair. Not that she needs to worry about her looks. I'd take her over
1: Huxbury any day. Do you mean Dr. Cavendish? Mildred Cavendish? The famed the... surgeon, yes. The famed surgeon who used to smuggle stolen goods out of state by performing emergency surgeries on people and hiding stuff next to their kidneys? Everyone in my
2: knitting circle calls her Nilly the MILF. For obvious reasons. Knitting circle? Obvious reasons? I know it seems crass, but Mildred just doesn't suit her. Well, how do I look? And. Don't say, same as always, because I always look fabulous. Everyone always does. It's beginning to get a little cliche and impersonal. Nice. Fantastic. I wish I could say the same about you. Hey. I'm only kidding. Mostly. Well,
3: I'm off. Doodles. See ya. The following is the proceedings of project MJ54512, trial number 0024, recorded by Dr. Mildred Cavendish. Trial 0024 in testing of the use of a new serum designed by GCR Corp to increase physical resistance to changes in temperature features subject H68X. Hello. That wasn't an invitation to talk. Administering the dose now. Ow! Was that painful?
2: Almost as painful as being without you all this time. Why did it take so long for you to call me back?
3: If by call you back you mean summon you to my lab, I was finishing the trials of the previous project.
2: (gasps) Don't tell me you've been experimenting on other people. Oh my god, you have? What? Uh, you've been with other test subjects.
3: Yes, Mix Highsmith. I have to repeat an experiment with different test subjects to verify the results and identify any anomalies. Now will you let go of my hand so I can do my job?
2: Hmm, no kiss goodbye? No. Hmm, hmm, hmm.
3: Hmm. Subject is locked in a temperature-controlled chamber. For my first trial, I will be raising the chamber's temperature to 47 degrees Celsius. 47
2: degrees Celsius? That's practically smoking. I'm just like you.
3: First things first, though. My subject's own internal temperature is... Slightly higher than expected.
2: Mm, Did you just call me hot? I mean, you're clearly right, but I didn't expect you to be so
3: blunt. All right, I've turned the heat on. I bet you have. (laughs) The internal temperature of the chamber is 30 degrees Celsius and rising.
2: Have I ever invited you to my weekly knitting circle, Nels? We meet tomorrow at 3 in the cafeteria. The food's awful, but the company's great. It would be infinitely greater with you, though.
3: Internal temperature of the chamber is 35 degrees Celsius and rising. Subject's core temperature remains unchanged. I thought
2: this drug was meant to keep me from getting hot, but I'm... Look at me. You're looking at me, right?
3: It's meant to keep your core temperature resistant to temperature changes to increase your chances of survival in extreme environments.
2: You just want to see me glossy, don't you? No. I do it.
3: Internal temperature is 45 degrees Celsius and rising.
2: Would you like to know what else is rising? I'll give you a hint.
3: Internal it's, temperature has reached 47 degrees Celsius. Subject's core temperature remains unchanged.
2: <laughs> What's that thing my roommate always says when they're hot? Oh, it's hotter than a goat's butt in a pepper patch.
3: <laughs> Subject has been in the chamber for 30 minutes their core temperature has just begun to increase. In comparison, the control subjects could only withstand an average of seven minutes of continuous heat before they experience changes. Hugo, do you have any physical symptoms to report?
2: My heart is pounding every time I look at
3: you. I would like to note that the subject's heart rate has remained consistent throughout the trial.
2: I just have a condition that makes my heart race when I see beautiful
3: women. <laughs> Again, my readings aren't showing an increased heart rate, leading me to believe that the statement from the subject is false. However, they do seem to be sweating.
2: (laughs) Of course I'm sweating. It's almost as hot in here as you.
3: Any other symptoms to report?
2: Love sickness?
3: Okay, moving on to the subject's resistance to cold temperature. Setting the initial temperature to zero degrees Celsius.
2: Zero degrees? I've barely recovered from falling for you. Mildred, darling, listen to this. Your hair is as pink as the summer's first blush. Your eyes are as dark as the moon, and if my sentence here ended tomorrow, I'd say, Oh, you pricks, it's too soon. I'd say, Don't you know, Dr. Cavendish? She told me her friends call her Mills, and right now she's looking quite maddish on account of my lyrical fr.
3: You're the only person who calls me Melz.
2: Are you telling me I'm your only friend? With your bubbly personality.
3: Temperature is 29 degrees Celsius and dropping.
2: You know what else is dropping? Don't- My jaw. You look stunning, darling.
3: <clears throat> the internal temperature of the chamber is 20 degrees Celsius and dropping. No snarky remark this time. No, just...
2: I love your laugh. <sighs> you know, I'm... really impressed with your work here in Seen. What you're doing, it's... it's really important to me. Really? Of course. Incredibly important. It means you're my type. I love a woman in uniform. Or lab coat, Temperature or... Temperature
3: 15 degrees and dropping.
2: It might be freezing in here, but the warmth in your eyes keeps me going.
3: Despite the subject's comment, their core temperature remains unchanged, and I assure any listeners I am providing the subject with no outside warmth in any way, including moral support.
2: Your perfect complexion gives me plenty of moral support. You
3: you can't even see me, I'm behind a mirror, you... <clears throat> Internal temperature of the chamber is 5 degrees Celsius and dropping.
2: You know what I'm dropping? Everything and everyone but you. You're my forever girl.
3: Internal temperature of the chamber is 0 degrees Celsius. Subject's core temperature remains unchanged.
2: My core temperature remains unchanged, just like my love for you.
3: As a personal note, I will be turning off the intercom system for all future experiments with Mix Highsmith. Subject for Project MJ54512 experienced no change in their core temperature when exposed to extreme cold and hot environments while experiencing the effects of the serum. I have instructed them to record any withdrawal effects they experience, if there are any. My superiors down at Jessia are interested, as am I, in the improvement of the human body, and it is gratifying to see that we are making real progress in the realm of endurance. Despite my subjects' claims of a changed heart rate, among other things, it is clear that the serum does genuinely work. I will run a few more trials with Mix Highsmith to make sure it's ready for the next phase of development, then send it back to Earth. It is... Sad sometimes that my research here has more mobility than I do. I know that my fellow doctors have expressed a similar sentiment. It's really difficult to stay serious with them around.
2: Uh. Mm.
1: Uh. Ugh. Dear Diary.
2: experiment, Victor. Vic! It's here so I can record my symptoms in a professional capacity to further the scientific endeavors of our dear,
1: dear nemesis Overlords. Dear Diary, I've been experiencing a disrupted sleep cycle, but I can't tell if it's from Huxley's latest. Whatever, or because my roommate is building the world's worst blanket fort three feet away from me. I'm not building a blanket fort. I keep getting these hot and cold
2: flashes. I I can't stay comfortable for more than ten minutes.
1: I noticed.
2: I I think it's a side effect from uh, the stuff Millie gave me.
1: Do you think I should record it? I think that it's lights out and you should sleep. Or at least be miserable quietly. How did you even end up with the biochemical guys? Just about everyone knows the people running that lab are meaner than a wet panther. The only people who get assigned there are the ones they want dead as soon as possible, and... I I don't know. Everyone seems to like you. Except Jules. Except Jules.
2: Well, I started out in neurology, like you. And I... I requested a change. And you're right. People do like me. So, chemistry. In my blood, and between me and Mills. Why would you do that? When I first got here, they were running experiments related to preserving youth, and you know how important my looks are. <sighs> now, we've moved on to this whole series of resistance to
1: nature and such, and it's too late for me to back out of it. Did any of them work? The the youth ones. I won't
2: know for another ten years. But, in the meantime, feel how soft my skin is. No. I don't like being old. I don't have anything against age. It's great for other people. I don't even think I look that bad. No. I've got this distinguished uh, silver fox thing going on. Don't you think? But I don't like knowing that I'm past my prime. I was, am, a damn good criminal. And I resent knowing that I can't, I I don't know, make a quick getaway like I used to. The joke's on them, though. Because if their little treatments end up working,
1: I'll be able to stage the prison break of the century. We're all past our prime. We're sitting around waiting to be killed by someone's science project. Would you like to know what I think, Victor? Vic.
2: You are hiding from something up here. And you'd rather resign yourself to having your brain fried by a washed-up neurologist than think too
1: hard about it. What was so bad about neurology? Besides the
2: MRIs. All we did was talk about our emotions and childhoods and such. Things seemed so gushy. And I wasn't ready to unpack my childhood yet. Too tragic. I hear things are different under Huxley.
1: Getting actual results, running actual tests. Not just group therapy. You're preaching to the choir. I was really working through my issues under Dan. I was this close to a breakthrough when he kicked it. Really? No. (sighs)
2: Still,
1: I wish I could join you. At least
2: for the free hallucinogens. Maybe if you put in a word for me with big boy Huxley, he'd pull some strings and transfer me into a subject pool.
1: I'll do my best. He'd <sighs> be away from Cavendish, though.
2: Maybe she would transfer too. For me.
1: I doubt it. Are you feeling any better? I think the worst of it has passed.
2: Never mind. Life sucks.
1: Do you think they'd put me in solitary if I asked really nicely?
2: Tyler, in knitting, posture is everything. Especially with kiwi potholders. Such a lovely fruit, though I don't really care for the seeds. I didn't win the snitches-get-stitches international knitting bee three years running by slouching. The what? Even criminals have hobbies, Dr. K.
0: Is this better? Much. My back hurts.
2: Oh, dear. What's the matter? I've forgotten to put a place mark for this section. Oh, damn, me too. It's really no problem. It's a pretty common mistake, especially for beginners. I used to do that all the time when I was first starting back. Well, a, a long time ago. Anyways... I have this needle already threaded here. Let me.
3: Is this the, uh, knitting circle? Billy!
2: You decided to join us! Come in, come in! Uh,
0: Don't worry, I don't bite. Can't be sure about these others here, though. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I don't bite. I might.
3: Uh, (laughs) Good to know.
2: Uh, you, you you could sit next to me. We're working on potholders with our favorite fruit on them. It's really quite a basic... Mine's a pineapple. Apples!
0: I've got kiwi. Can you tell it's kiwi? Wow, uh... Yes,
3: actually.
2: It's really quite basic. I'll help you with whatever fruit you want. I've chosen cherry because the yarn we have here is just a lovely color. Do you have any fruit in my <laughs> called pineapple already?
3: You can't have it. He's very territorial
2: about his fruits.
3: Then I'll do cherries.
2: Let me help these novices with their place markers and then we can get started. Right. Millie, I'm glad you decided to join us.
0: Today's episode was written by Jack Loney and Icarus Jude Stevie. It featured Leland Heed as Victor Algernon, Finn Carter as Warren Kane, E.G. Taraku as Hugo Highsmith, Artemis Jack Gonsterov as Mildred Cavendish, Reese Tirado as Vincent, and Ana Maria as Tyler. If you like what we do here and want to follow us on social media, we are brainrot underscore presents, that's presents with no E's on all platforms. Feel free to also subscribe to our Patreon or make a one-time donation to our fundraiser. Thanks for listening.
4: Hello there, citizen. You've lived in Guilt City for a while now. Maybe you've wondered, when you wake in the morning and retrieve the letters tucked neatly into your post box, just where your mail comes from. It comes from the night post, of course. Those faithful couriers deliver it while you're sleeping. All the better that they stay out of sight and keep the unseemly strangeness that follows them out of our city in the skelter where it belongs. If, for some reason, you'd like to know more about Guilt City's conscripted couriers and the burden that chose them, their secret hopes and fears, the ancient, untamed threats that hound them on their nocturnal journeys, you have only to listen. The Night Post is a supernatural audio drama by an all-LGBT team, delivered weekly In Dead of Night, to wherever you listen to podcasts. Find answers at nightpostpod.com.